This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. We are back and we are live. It is Fight IQ presented by Rotowire MMA after a long three weeks without seeing our, our faces. If you're watching on YouTube or listening to our voices, if you are streaming this. So they got some background noise there. Yeah, that was me. Sorry. All good. Difficulties. All good. That was Chris's baby monitor, just so everybody knows. Who is, you know, our, our, our director over there, director and co-host. Chris Olson, Chris, how are you? Three weeks off, and you couldn't even let me get through the intro before you got I, me Yeah, you know, I'm a little rusty. I'm getting right back into it, though. I'm on the horse. I'm ready to go. And our other co-host, Joe Sun Tzu. How you doing, Joe? Good. Let's hope that Chris is literally on the horse. Um, if, they, if, if he is, he picked up a bad habit during three weeks. Um, yeah, I know. I am good. I am back from Minnesota relatively unscathed. I mean, I had a, a business trip out there. That was pretty much the highlight of my three-week hiatus. I mean, uh, me and Chris, for the first time in recent memory, are both relatively clean-shaven. It's it's you, my friend, Sean, the DFS sniper, who is bringing the the hair, should I say, to the pod. Listen, I have I am of Eastern European descent. They got a lot of got the European hair thing going. So you okay. know what? I grow I grow the beard quickly, and if, without it, I look twelve. So. Okay. You've got to keep it cleaned up. There, there are some people around who, who you know, don't keep their beards very kept. It's important, you know, you groom it, keep it short. Plus, don't don't oil. mention any names there, Sean. A little, little beard oil there, Sean. And Look, I mean, we should have a contest on between the beginning and the end of the pod to see how quickly Chris Chris's grows back. Like, you know, like, <laughs> oh. what's, what's the over-under, like, uh, of, like, millimeters? Of growth. I'm, I'm a chia pet. Just forget about it. It's not <laughs> even, not even <laughs> enough about hair. I mean, uh, so uh, go ahead, Sean. Didn't want to steal your thunder there. No, it's okay. We will wrap back all back into us three. Very person. This very personality filled episode is going to cover UFC Lincoln, our main event. Should be a personality filled fight. It is James, the tech executioner, Vic, taking on Justin. I refuse to put up any defense. Gaethje. And we are here to talk DraftKings. Before we do that, make sure you go to our sponsor, Rotowire, rotowire.com slash free. All kinds of um, content you can get that is usually behind the paywall. Ten days free, no credit card required. Season-long um, content as well for your NFL contests, daily fantasy. You know We're here to cover one sport, but all kinds of great goodies over there. With that being said, let's just jump into our first fight of the night. And I'm thinking, from what I have seen around – I think me and Chris are going to have our first pretty strong disagreement because I'm in the minority in this one. I have a pretty strong opinion. Right out of the is, gate. Right out of the gate is Haniyaya, 8,300, taking on Luke Sanders at 7,900. The line of this fight, Yaya is a minus 120 favorite. The comeback on Luke Sanders is plus 110. I'll save my piece for a second. Joe, I think you know me well enough to know where I'm leaning on this fight, so we'll start with Sun Tzu. Okay, well, look, I honestly, I don't have a strong feeling about this fight. I think they're, of all the fights on the card, I could come up with the most potential outcomes for this fight. I could come up with a Yaya submission. I could come up with a Sanders KO. And I could come up with a decision by Sanders or Yaya. Um, my pick here is a very, very, very weak lean to Luke Sanders with a little bit of odds value. 
um, at, I believe, what, 7.9? Um, so I have a lean towards Sanders, although it would not surprise me. A any of those four outcomes I referenced would not surprise me. I really don't know what to do with this fight, but I do have a very weak lean towards the California kid, the significant other of uh, Becky from uh, professional wrestling, Luke, cool hand Luke Sanders. Chris, do you have a stronger opinion here? I do, and uh, I don't know if anybody saw my eyebrows shoot up. when he, I, I'm pretty sure I, I know where you're going, but I'm just going to go and say, I, I have a pretty strong read for Yaya here, and my oh, reason is... Oh, God damn it, we agree. Most really? Oh. When you oh. said, oh, because I like the underdogs. Yeah, I know where you were going. But and, and I love here. the grapplers. I, but here, I, I got to say, I mean, I, as much as I would have loved to disagree with you, and I'm sure it's coming soon, so everybody out there, don't worry. But um, <laughs> I, the reason I'm going yeah, yeah here is, um, I mean, Sanders is fast. Uh, he hits hard, but he doesn't shy away from the grappling exchanges. In fact, he pretty much welcomes them. He did it in the Tim Williams fight. We know... He did it in the Uri Alcantara fight. That's how Alcantara was able to hit his Hail Mary there. And um, I just don't think he's going to he's gonna um, play the type of game he needs to play to win this fight, I think. Um, Yaya is going to have way too many chances to grapple with him, way too many chances to get a takedown. And when he does, I mean, look, Yaya's jiu-jitsu is, is world-class, and I don't think Sanders can compete with it. So if, San if Sanders had any chance of, you know, fighting a smart in-and-out fight, for three rounds, I might give him the nod here, but I just can't do it. I think uh, Yaya has learned from trying to kickbox with Joe Soto that he shouldn't do that. He's come out to look for the takedown really strong in the last two fights. I think he's going to do that here, and I think he gets the sub. Yeah, I like Hani Yaya a bunch here. I think he gets the single leg, gets his fight to the ground, and he is a former ADCC uh, champion, world-class Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Sanders, now the worry here is the Yaya gas tank. He could, if Sanders has improved his takedown defense and he can defend that single leg or work his way up, both things I don't think he does. But if he does, he has the clear advantage on the feet, will circle away. Yaya, we have seen fade down the um, stretch, and Sanders, you know, can be finished here. It, it's, or can get a finish. Uh, Yaya, I think, is going to get the submission win. Sanders came in with a lot of hype, but his loss to um, Uri Alcantara and Andre Sukumta. I didn't think he looked really great in that uh, in the Williams fight. You know, got a knockdown, got a win, but again, I just I really like Haniaya. It's the more if you if you've followed my podcasts and picks before, I always lean towards these grappler and BJJ guys, especially when I think they can get the fight to the ground. Uh, I think Yaya has a decent single leg and will be able to pull it off here. So I like Hani Yaya definitely in GPPs because I think he goes under own. I think most people are actually thinking what Joe is in terms of line value. And cash games, I'm tempted. I just don't know if he's going to fit in the build because there is the chalk construction you almost need in, in cash, at least the beginning of it, makes Yaya a little tough to squeeze in. But we'll get to that as we move on. So that's what I have for our first fight. Uh, Next fight of the card is Drew Dober, 8,900, taking on John Tuck at 7,300. Dober is a minus 200 favorite. John Tuck is at plus 185. John Tuck most recently beat the ghost of Takanori Gomi. Loves to hurt you, jump on the rear, rear naked choke, whereas Drew Dober also had a, well, he actually had in, in my mind, one of the best fights you're going to see um, last time out against Frank Camacho, you know, that's that, that war, that classic Camacho-style fight. This one, though, is going to stay on the feet. Uh, Tuck is getting older. I like Dober. He seems to be adding to his game. I think he hits a little harder. Better technical striking. Before the Camacho fight, he had knockdowns in three straight fights. And the fight before that against Scott Holtzman, he took Holtzman down five times. I think Dober is more well-rounded. I think Tuck really just needs to land that right hand as his only shot. I don't think he does it. I like the favorite, Drew Dober, pretty much in all formats here. Um, I'm a little worried about scoring, but that's going to be a common theme because there's outside of Yaya, there's really not a ton of grappling on this card outside of one other place that we'll um, talk about. Maybe two. But either way, I like Drew Dober. Chris, what are you thinking on this one? Are you going to give us your first underdog play here? No, uh, not quite yet. Um, 
Yeah, I like Dober quite a bit here. I think his striking game is way deeper. I, I think I think John John Tuck um, uh, basically needs to grapple. I think to win this fight, and that's not to say that he can't. Um, but I do think Dober showed uh, a lot more urgency getting back to his feet in his last fight. Um, I like that about him. I think um, you know Tuck. He 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 has trouble finding range a lot. He likes that that front kick to 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 the to the solar plexus, liver, whatever. I mean, that's what he caught Gomi with, but I mean, you know, and I've seen him throw that in in a couple other fights and it never lands. It landed against Gomi because everything does and 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 that's where that is. But um I really just think um, you know, I think Dober, as I said, has the way deeper striking game. I think he probably hits harder as well. And uh, like you said, I share your concerns about whether the fight will finish. Um, I don't believe Tuck has ever been finished in the UFC, but somebody can check me on that. Um, either way, uh, my play will be Dober to win the fight, and I'll have some of him, but maybe not too much because of the finish concern. Tuck has never been finished in the UFC. Um, did lose a decision to Norman Park, Kevin Lee, Josh Emmett are some of his decision losses, but he has not yet been been finished. I do think Dober throws it a high enough output. He's a little too expensive. Joe, what are you thinking for, for this fight? Uh, you know, I think this is essentially very much, not very much, but very close to the last fight that Dober had. You've got a, you know, a guy that's got a, you know, a gas tank issue, uh, throws hard, hits hard, uh, same part of the country as Camacho. Um, you know, there is a bit of a narrative, uh, with Dober being from, um, Nebraska. Um, so this is essentially a homecoming fight for him. Look, I, 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 am not in love with Drew Dober. I mean, um, there, there was also some narrative around him having some issues with the commission regarding weight cutting. And he is not a very big guy for the weight class. Um, he's solid, but he's small. So I, again, I have not seen the weigh-in video. I don't know what he looks like, but I am going again. This is another fairly lukewarm take. Um, I'll pick I'll pick Dober here. Well, let's see if we can get a stronger take from you as we move on to our first women's fight of the evening. Although I think it's first and only of this card, correct? No, there's, a, there's two women's fights. So, oh, that's right, Angela Hill, we got to talk about. We'll get there. First up, though, we have Joanne Caldew at 8,800. Taking on Kalindra Faria at 7,400. The line has been rising on Joanne Calderwood. It's now minus 165. It's actually held steady the last couple days. You know what? I take that back. It, it's held pretty steady, 165. I saw. I thought I saw it at like 140 at some point. Maybe not. 165. The comeback on Kalindra Faria is plus 155. Look, Joanne Calderwood is the better striker in this one, Faria. Has looked really bad in their first two UFC two UFC fights, subbed by uh, Maria Romero Barella, and then a weird decision loss to Jessica I, where they had a leg lock battle for a little while. Not the greatest fight IQ. Uh, she did hurt I early in that fight, but Calder was the better striker. She's changed camps. Uh, the better prospect all around. I like Calderwood to win. Uh, when you talk about output. Decision lost to Calvillo, 63 strikes. Her wins, 115, 90, 109. So even if she's going to get a decision, she could score enough to at least reach that um, 10x we look for in cash. I like Joanne Calderwood in all formats, although I think she's a little more cashy than uh, she is GPP. But don't listen to me. Listen to our women's MMA expert. Joe? Okay, so above and beyond the technical reasons for liking uh, JoJo here, there is some pretty strong narrative. Um, she left TriStar to go to Syndicate out in Las Vegas. Um, a big part of her recent fights have been mental. Apparently, she had some bad relationship issues. Um, that's behind us. Apparently, she's healthy and happy. Um, TriStar isn't necessarily the best camp for female fighters. Um, I think she's in a better spot now, training at the Performance Institute um, you know, with her good friend Jesse Jess out in Las Vegas. Um, with that said, I think this might be a better fight to bet than for DraftKings. Um, it is a good stylistic matchup for her. I don't see this fight playing out on the ground. Um, in, a, in a true stand-up battle, I see JoJo as the superior striker, um, has some Muay Thai credentials. Um, I like her. I'm just not super confident 
for a play in cash or in GPPs because I'm not certain what the scoring is going to look like. Um, there is a female fighter that I like in cash coming up, which we can talk about. But um, JoJo definitely uh, is my pick to win. I like her a fair amount. And if I was betting on this card, I would definitely throw some money down at minus 170. If you like Angela Hill in cash, I'm going to vomit. But for now, let's let's move on to uh, the crest. What do you got? Oh, okay. I, I didn't know where you were going with that one. And you're going to want to hear this pick because we're three fights in and we have my first underdog. So, um, Are you out of your damn mind? I'm, I'm, I'm going to explain. I'm going to take Fari Please here. Please do. Oof. The reason I, I say that is because, look, I, 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 I like – I, I like Faria as an aggressive striker. Um, I like her kicking game, as you said, um, the, or as you alluded to, the head kick to Jessica I, which really caught her flush and uh, sort of surprised that it didn't end the fight. But, you know, then we got the leg lock battle, as you said, and, and yada, yada, yada. I just think that, um, you know, uh, Calderwood is, is a, a notorious slow starter. She sort of, you know, sits there and waits a lot and lets her opponent lead the fight. I mean – she, she can have moments where she turns it on, but I think Faria is going to take the lead on this one and, and try to push a pace. And I just think she's going to go after it. And I like, as I said, I like her kicking game. I think, um, you know, I, Calderwood sort of stands straight up, and um, I think she's hittable. I didn't, I didn't like how she looked in that Calvijo fight. Again, I, I thought she waited around way too much. And um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go for a dart throw that the more aggressive fighters are gonna get this done. So I'm going Faria. Calvillo and Faria are different animals. I, I will say if Faria Faria's stronger could 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 clip her, but I think if she gets over aggressive, she's gonna eat that step and elbow from uh, Doctor Neville, which is one of my favorite Twitter handles in, in MMA. All right, first underdog pick. I I I thought this was gonna be your first underdog pick. Mickey Gall, well, this might be too. You never know. Mickey Gall, ninety-two hundred, taking on George Sullivan at seven thousand. Mickey Gall's a minus three twenty favorite, which is batshit crazy. Taking on George Sullivan at plus two ninety. On no planet should Mickey Gall be a minus three twenty favorite in a UFC fight. It's just as it's crazy to me. He's beat CM Punk, Sage Northcutt before Sage learned how to wrestle, and Mike Jackson did lose to Randy Brown. I will say he's the three and zero is not his fault. He beat who they put in front of him. He, I do think he's a solid prospect, really good BJJ. He's got you know BJJ credentials. I think he's brown belt. I don't want to say world champion, but he's won tournaments at brown belt. He could be a world champion, but I'm not positive. And George Sullivan was taken down and immediately subbed by uh, Nico Price, who we watched get his brown belt. I think after his first UFC fight. George Sullivan was live in that fight against Nico Price, has a little bit of striking, and that's, I think he's got three minutes to be dangerous here. That being said, I think Nicky Gall's one of those young guys who everyone's saying he has no striking, he has no, no striking. These young guys learn stuff, and when they do, he, people seem stunned. I'm not saying he's going to be a great striker. I'm saying he's going to have enough to defend against George Sullivan and take this fight to the ground. So while minus three twenty is crazy, I still think he wins. And when this fight hits the ground, I think George Sullivan's in all kinds of kinds of trouble. For me, this is a great GPP fight though, because if Sullivan wins, it's an early knockout. So the pick is Gall. Both are in play for GPP. Chris, back to back upsets. Uh, you know, I was thinking a lot about this fight because I and I I like to bring this up every time it happens. Um, you know, I I don't I don't really love Mickey Gall here, but as whenever somebody prices somebody who shouldn't be 9,000 at that kind of price. I always feel the need to pick them if they have an avenue to win, because I feel like I'm going to get scarcity out of it. And this could definitely be that. Uh, you mentioned the Nico price fight. Um, I actually thought George Sullivan was doing okay in the grappling in portions of that fight. The problem becomes that um, he doesn't, he tries to, you know, he, it's sort of, sort of like we we're talking about with Luke Sanders. he, Stays in the exchanges for way too long with guys who are better than him, and eventually, you know, they they get advantage and they do what they do. And Mickey Gall can absolutely do that to George Sullivan. Um, my 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 main problem is that I mean, well, there are a couple of things. The first thing is that Mickey Gall isn't anything like a dedicated wrestler. I mean, if you remember that Randy Brown fight, a lot of it was just you know guard pulling essentially, 
and that that's how Randy Brown was able to stay on top for so long. I mean, he got he got a couple takedowns on his own, but you know, if, if we think that Mickey Gall is just going to go out there and force takedowns, I'm just not so sure about that. And the other thing I'd say is, um, I your point is well taken, Sean. That um, you know, these guys learn learn things quick, and I've been burned by that before myself. Thinking, well, this person looks horrible on taper, and then they come in. They've been training with another camp, and then you know that they look a lot better. But um, it's 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 hard for me to imagine that with Mickey Gall. I mean, he was literally running away from Randy Brown on the feet in in certain portions of that fight, and um, it's it's just really tough for me to to see how how much he might have improved in such a short space. Having said that, though, um, you know, I think he's going to know where his bread is buttered here. Um, I think he's going to know it after the loss, too. He's going to want to get back on the right track. I, I think he probably takes George Sullivan down and chokes him out. I don't think Sullivan's that great of a striker either. He's got some power. But, um, yeah, if I have to pick, and um, I do because this is a picking show, I think I'm going to take uh, Gall by early submission. He's going to get it done quickly. Joe, who do you have for this fight? Wow, that was a pretty long diatribe on what is not a really super interesting fight. Um, there's some narratives here. Um, two Jersey boys prior to his last fight, Sullivan was coming off a two-year USADA suspension. He gassed out against Price. He looked okay, gassed out. Um, if he is up for it, I see him performing better here. Um, you know, Mickey Gall actually uh, did this camp um, on the West Coast at Muscle Farm, um, I believe with Matt Brown and others. Um, you know, he has claimed he has not left this camp in New Jersey, and I believe they will be cornering him. But he went to Muscle Farm apparently to work on his striking. Um, I am still not sold on Mickey Gall. Um, I'm going to actually take a fire on the dog here. I think there's some good value um, on DraftKings, this is a low floor, high ceiling type of play. Um, I would certainly not recommend it in cash, but at a, what, 7, 7K, 7K, um, I would take a flyer on Sullivan here. I would also use some gall. This is strictly a GPP fight. I would not get near either one of these guys in cash. There's just too, too much variance. Um, but I am taking George Sullivan for the upset. Can disagree with much of that. Um, next up, Marcus Perez, 8,200, taking on Andrew Sanchez at 8,000, a place where I think we could get some more grappling. Uh, the line in this fight, by the way, we have odds value, odds value yet. I've been expecting this fight to flip all week, and it has. Andrew Sanchez is now a minus 115 favorite. Marcus Perez, plus 105, so there's some odds value here. Which I'm actually a little disappointed about because I was going to play Andrew Sanchez in cash at 8,000 pretty much regardless. Look, I don't think – I know Andrew Sanchez has one of the worst gas tanks you'll see, but he's, he's winning these fights until in the third round he gasses out. It's just what happens. He has wrestling. He's, he's a better boxer than uh, Sanchez. I think he can get this fight to the ground. Can he really make the same mistake three times in a row? I guess we're going to find out. But by the way, Marcus uh, Perez really doesn't have a good gas tank either. He's lost to Eric Anders. He won his last fight against James Bachnevik, but James Bachnevik. Sanchez has legit skills. He really – he could make a run in this division if he didn't have these terrible – this gas tank issues. Maybe he's worked on it. Maybe he's improved. But skill for skill, um, Sanchez to me is the better fighter. I think he's in play at 8,000, I think. The line is probably still a little off. I would have lined this closer to like minus 140. So I think there's value here. I like Andrews, Andrew Sanchez. Uh, Joe, do you have as much love for El Durte as, as I do? I do. Call me crazy. Um, camp change here. Um, Sanchez moved uh, to Las Vegas. He is now at Syndicate MMA in Las Vegas. Um, so he is giving a new camp a try. Normally, I like to wait a fight to see how a camp change has affected a fighter. Um, I do believe it is a good move for him. He needs to work on his cardio. He throws everything hard and heavy. He was really taking it to Anthony Smith prior to gassing. I am going to give him one more chance here. Um, Perez is also taking this on relatively short notice, this fight. So I do like Sanchez. I am following the line value here. Chris, are you going for the underdog who's now priced up? I uh... – 
you know, this is sort of a weird thing to say, but I'm kind of a Marcus Perez fan. I, I, I like a lot. I like a lot about his game, and I think um, actually, before I get into that, let me just let me just say um, what you noted about the gas tank, which I of course agree with for Andrew Sanchez. Um, I think this is another bad matchup to that end because it's another tough dude who's going to push a pace. Hold on, hold on. But Perez also has he pushes he pushes a pace you can't maintain. He but gasses. I, I, I was going to ask you about that too. Where did we see him totally gas out? I've never seen that. Go go watch some of his his, his fights on the regional scene. He slowed down against Anders. I get it was Anders. He slowed he, down for sure. He's he slowed down in other fights. Uh, okay, well, he be, be, out against James against James Bocknick. The fight was over in two minutes. Well, that's true, but I mean, he we know that he's a really strong guy. Um, he was he was you know getting slammed takedown takedowns of Anders, let alone Bocknick, which he was doing as well. Uh, so he's very strong. He's got very he's got a good kicking game. He's one of these guys who likes to do you know close the distance and and do. Uh, Big movements, which I'm not a total fan of, and which could explain some of the slowing down. But I think he's got a nice kicking game. I think he's a good grappler. I think he's a good back taker. He's he's good in the scrambles. Um, and I just think, as I said before, tough dude as we've seen, and he's going to push a pace. As although the 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 um, the uh, amount of of gassing that he might he do is contested, but be that as it may, I think Andrew Sanchez could have a lot of the same problems in this fight. And I think Marcus Perez probably hits hits harder than Sanchez does, and I think that um, you know he's gonna push he's gonna push the pace he's gonna come out and and dictate where this fight's gonna go. Um, and I just I just like him to close it down. I wouldn't be shocked if to see a finish here, even if there was a takedown and maybe in a scramble. Uh, he um, Andrew Sanchez got his back taken. That wouldn't shock me. But uh, as I said, there's just a lot of components of um, Marcus Perez that I actually really quite like, and I'm picking him to get the win here. I can't let Chris have the last word here. I mean, um, one is he he totally is is he's he totally ignored the fact that Perez is taking this on short notice for I one. Didn't, you said it. I didn't. I, ignore I, it. I know I said it, but you 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 think that he's going to actually out wrestle Sanchez, who's a two. He doesn't have to out wrestle. He can. He can there's a difference between wrestling and jiu-jitsu. When it hits the floor, he can... How is he going to get him to the floor? I mean, Because Sanchez is going to take him there. Sanchez... Okay, so... I don't think Sanchez is getting swept. So, so Perez has got... I'm going to say Perez has got seven and a half minutes. Um, because, you know, for any number of reasons. As, you know, Sanchez pushes the pace. Perez is taking this on short notice. Look, I'm going to use some Perez just because the line values are close. Oh, he's, now he's going to use some Perez. No, I'm using him in GPPs, though. I would not use Perez in cash. Sanchez I like in cash and GPPs. Perez I see is purely GPP fighter. Um, look, more power to you if you get Perez home here. I'm going to give Sanchez one more chance. If he fights 90% of the way he fought Smith, he beats Perez here. We get to a fight where I'm pretty sure Chris is going to be on the favorite, and it's because I'm on the dog. Corey Sandhagen, 9,000, taking on Ayuri Alcantara at 7,200. The line in this fight, sorry, I went to explore some past Andrew Sanchez lines. Whoa, the line is really flipped on this one, and I was huh? unaware of it. Wait, hold on. No, it's wrong. Best You're looking at that, that fight's odds, forget it, they're wrong. Best fight odds. Best fight odds has it at plus one ten. It's wrong. Well, what happened here? Five dimes. Best fight odds. It's an error. It's it's. Yeah, no. That was. I mean, Yuri Alcantara is. Yeah, we 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 covered this on Alpha. You know, we Brett was freaking out too, looking at the line, and then we went to five dimes, and now it's 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 wrong. That best fight odds is wrong. So I'm gonna pull this up in a second. Either way, I, I will. In the transition, I'll update you on the odds. Sandhagen's the favorite. Alcantara is the dog. Look, Sandhagen looked good against Austin Arnett. I'm going to repeat that, guys. He looked good against Austin Arnett. I'm not saying he's not a good prospect, but it's Austin Arnett, who is a passive fighter. Sandhagen moved forward, got that hands-down style, threw some flashy stuff, did do a really good job of mixing up body and head strikes. I do think he's a good uh, prospect. I love the way he attacks the body. It's a trend we're seeing come back in, in mixed martial arts. 
I'm not sure if he can keep, if this fight goes to the ground is where he's going to have a problem. Yuri Alcantara is a high-level BJJ black belt. The problem with Alcantara and why I'm not sure if I can play him in cash. I do, I do like him in tournaments because he's super live to win the fight. 35 professional wins, been in the UFC a long time, but he no-shows. We saw it against Brian Kelleher, just did not show up. But we saw him actually dig deep against Luke Sanders and pull off a Hail Mary knee bar, which knee bars are not easy to, to finish in, in mixed martial arts. You don't see him a ton. Um, had a really slick submission against Brad uh, Pickett. He's a high-level guy, and he's the veteran here. At 7,200, that's always going to pique my interest. Corey Sandhagen's got to prove it to me. My issue with playing Sandhagen, while he could get a knockout, for me, this is a very top-heavy player pool. I'm probably not going to play much of Sandhagen because I want to play guys who are going to cover later, like Barbarena. I'll squeeze in a little bit of Anders. I think Worley Alves is an interesting GPP play. Of those guys at the top, Sandhagen's the one I have the least in, least amount of interest in. And I also think he's going to be pretty popular. He's got the 133 fantasy points per fight next to his name. He's the trendy pick right now. People don't trust Alcantara. I'm going to take Alcantara for the win here. I think the line's off. When I saw it, by the way, I was expecting Alcantara about plus 180. But I will, while I look it up, Chris, are you taking the favorite here? I assume you have to be. Uh, well, I want to, but it's a little too expensive for me. Um, I, I would I would disagree with you about one thing. I, 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 didn't, I didn't think he was passive in that Arnett fight. I actually thought... No, Arnett is passive. Arnett oh, okay. is right, being right. passive and letting people beat him up. Right, understood. Okay. So, um, I, on that note, um, you know, I, I really like... One of the major things I saw when watching tape is I kind of think Sanhagen's movement in and that movement is going to be a little too, a little too much, and the speed's going to be a little too much for Alcantara. Um, as you said, Sean, I, I love his work to the body. I love how he mixed things up. Uh, he can wrestle too, but of course that's dangerous, as you also alluded to with um, the Luke Sanders finish. Um, I would never count out Yuri Alcantara. He's got enough power and enough experience and enough whatever else you want to say to um, get a finish and, and get a stoppage, uh, but. I think I think Sandhagen has a style that could potentially give him fits if he is aggressive and moves forward. That's a bit of a different story, but he doesn't really do that. I mean that that's why that that fight against Alejandro Perez was was so ridiculous because it was two guys and nobody wanted to move forward, and it was just three rounds of you know I got it, you take it, and then we got what we got. I think that um, you know. Sanhagen is going to push a pace here. I think, you know, as I said, Alcantara is always, always live to land a big shot. And when he gets you hurt, he, he comes in to finish you. He's very good about that. You know, we saw that with uh, Joe Soto. But I think Sanhagen has more tools here. He's got a deeper game. And if you're asking me who I picked to win the fight, I'm going to say Sanhagen. But for DraftKings purposes, I certainly don't mind having a little bit of Alcantara. I think that uh, he's cheap enough and he can get a finish. but. Overall, um, I like Sanhagen. Dare I say, I actually agree with that. Uh, by the way, the lines, I couldn't get five dimes to open up, so I went to Odd Shark. It's, it's something with the five dimes feed, or if you log into your five dimes account, there could be something going on. Uh, Alcantara on Odds Checker is minus 120 on five dimes. Across the board, other sites, he's about plus 180, plus 175. That's and accurate. And Sandhagen is minus 210. I think it's the feed from five dimes. It's messing this up on this fight so anyway minus 220 plus 180 thereabouts joe what do you got okay i like sanhagen here i mean i the ufc needs exciting fighters and i think the ufc has got yaya i'm sorry yaya has got alcantara in that um you know uh gatekeeper role um i do think that stylistically it's not a bad matchup for sanhagen the way that his stance and the way that he holds his hands lends him lends it to a good takedown defense. I think he's got actually a striking advantage over Alcantara. Um, I do think for DraftKings purposes, this is a good fight to target in GPPs. I don't know whether I'd be comfortable using either side in cash, but um, I would, you know, I'd say have, I think Alcantara is going to be much high, higher owned than Sanhagen. And I think Sanhagen could be an interesting play um, as a pivot um, at 9K. Yeah, I think we just can disagree on the ownership. I actually 
I haven't listened to many other pods though this week. It's been a busy week, so I thought San Hagen was going to be more popular. I, I could be mistaken though. All right, moving on. We have oh, my computer freaking out. San Hagen up to target. It is Warley Alves at 9,300, taking on James Krause at 6,900. James Krause has the most delusional nickname in all of mixed martial arts. It is James the James Krause Krause. Say that six times fast. Um, look, he's moving up to in weight to take on Warley Alves. He's going to be a little taller still, but Alves should be stronger. And Krause a lot of times relies on his strength. Alves, you know, he's got that nasty guillotine. He's just – my problem with this fight is I, I think Warley Alves is the better fighter. Krause is also halfway out the door in mixed martial arts. It's Alves – Unless he gets a finish or a submission, he's not going to score that well. And if he does it in the second round, he may not. He's, he's very low output. So for me, it's Alves. It's a GPP play. This is a fight that I'm probably not going to have a ton of exposure to, but I, I am very interested in the Warley Alves side. I just think he does what James Krause does, but better at a bigger weight class. Uh, Joe? Look, I so badly want to, want to pick James Krause here. If coming off a four-fight winning streak, I think the narrative you covered – He's got the gym in Kansas City. Um, Megan Anderson, among others, uh, our, our good friend Laura Senko. Um, you know, that's her gym in Kansas City. Um, is he a coach? Is he a fighter? He hasn't really been active. 6.9K is so attractive. Um, you know, I think the UFC is promoting Alves. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Kraus loses if he retires after this fight and focuses full-time on coaching. That is why I'm reticent. Um, to chase what I think could be a potentially good value. I do agree with you that I'm probably going to have least exposure of all the 9K plus fighters. I will probably have the least amount of exposure to Alves, you know, in case Kraus does decide to show up. Um, uh, I think that he went up to 170 simply because he didn't want to cut weight. <laughs> That's really the only reason, not because he saw himself going on a run at welterweight. Um, so I guess my pick is... It's a very tentative one. I, I do think Alves has enough to get it done. I don't know whether the scoring will be there. Absent a finish. Um, not a high output striker. Don't think there's going to be a lot of takedowns. So I do like Alves. I just don't know that this is a great fight to target um, for DraftKings. You know, the line on this fight, by the way, before we go to Chris, is it kind of it's fluctuating. Some sites minus 330 all the way up to minus 400 for Worley Alves which is about a plus 300 comeback on James Krause, which is kind of tempting, but I, I, I can't do it. I like Alves a bunch, as I said. But that line is also – there are a few lines that are just crazy. We talked about Mickey Gall. This is another one coming that I think is real out there. Um, so, Chris, what do you got in this fight? Yeah, I, I think you guys pretty well covered this one. I mean, um, I, I actually, I actually te texted my friend, is uh, Worley Alves versus James Krause a real fight? Like I, I just I just think that I mean it's it's a weird spot because Worley Alves is so much better and yet um, as you guys alluded to he's he's relying on the finish so um, you know what do you really do with it and it's not it's not as even as though I mean because Krause is the dedicated grappler the more dedicated of the two and you would say well if he gets him to the ground but it's not like Alves is dead there not by a long shot so. There, there's not even a clear path to me for Kraus to really win this fight. Um, in the striking, he's just dominated. It, it's not even close. And I, I think he might go out there and look for takedowns, but uh, we have seen Worley Alves takedown defense steadily been improving. And I just feel like Kraus is going to be going into a, a battle, uh, you know, without armor here. I, I think that um, – Alves can pretty much do whatever he wants. I, I think, you know, the more I think about it, the more I think I will have some Alves just because I, I'm trying, I'm having a hard time running through the scenarios in my head of how this fight ends if Alves doesn't finish it. I mean, unless he just dominates him for three rounds, in, in which case, I mean, you probably wouldn't be dead on your scorecard anyway. It, it might not be, you know, the, the best thing, but I just think Alves has enough power and Kraus gets hit a whole lot. And um, I, I think that's, that's enough of a recipe to, you know, give this a try in uh, GPPs. All right, guys, we're about 40 minutes into the episode. 
We've only got half our fight, so we're going to keep this next fight really short because it doesn't warrant much of our time. Eric Anders at 9,700, taking on Tim Williams at 6,500. Eric Williams, or Eric Anders, and combine their names. Eric Anders is a minus. I want to get it exactly right as of this moment. Um, where the hell is it, Odds Checker? Oh, there it is. Minus 1,200 favorite. No, that's for Valentina Shevchenko. What the hell, Odds Checker? He's like, he's like, I, he's, my, eye, my eye just got very wide. I believe oh, he's, no, in a, I believe he's a minus 11, 1175. Yeah, it wasn't that far off. Minus 1,000. And on some, some, on one side, he's up to minus 1,500. Um, that's still weird to me. The comeback right, on Tim Williams is plus 650, 800, somewhere in that range, depending on the site you look at. Look, Anders is going to walk through Tim Williams, who is the guy most known for looking like a serial killer um, on the season of Tough. He's just—he's not in Anders' league. This is a bounce-back fight for him. If you can fit Anders, roster him. It's hard to reach the ceiling you need for that for for the scoring, but Anders wins the fight. Chris. Yeah, um, I actually kind of wanted to talk about this a little bit. I uh, if you not, say not, play Tim Williams, I'm driving to New Jersey. <laughs> I'm not. T- I'm not telling you Tim Williams is going to win. Here's what I'm going to say. This feels like one of the classic um, fights where. One guy is way too overvalued. And, I mean, I say that because, look, Eric Anders, as, as much as he's a, a big striker with power, he doesn't really seem to trust his striking all that much. He grapples a lot more than you would think a guy in his situation should. The other thing I want to point out is, um, you know, he, he has a tendency to get very hesitant, as we saw in the Leota Machida fight. Almost as it, I mean, he pressures and he, and he waits on – you to pull the trigger and tries to counter, which is fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that inherently. But um, I don't know if if when you pressure him, as as we saw a, a couple of times um, in the fight against uh, oh, who's Marcus the one Perez? Yeah, in the in the Marcus Perez fight, and even a little bit in the half uh, and tall fight before it ended. If you when you pressure him, it seems like he doesn't have too many answers. He likes to be the one pressuring coming forward and trying to draw out the counter. Uh, look, again, I'm not saying Williams is going to win the fight. I'm not picking him. But he hits hard and I'm just not I'm just not sure about all this Anders hype right now. Look, he beat he beat um Marcus Perez and and good good on him. Good for that win. I mean, he was in trouble at one point in that fight, but he got the win, so that's fine. And then he beat uh, Javier Natal who Basically plays right into Anders' game and always backs himself up against the cage. I mean, that's pretty much all he does. He did it in the Tim Boach fight before that. So, I mean, it's it's pretty easy to beat that guy if you have the Anders game plan. I'm just not so sure about this. And I'm not sure that Anders is like the big fierce striker that we all think he is. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know about that. And... Um, I'm going to be a little hesitant here. I'm, I'm not saying I'm not taking Anders, but I'm not saying I won't have a few shares of Williams either. So take that for what it's worth. All right, Joe, talk some sense in him because we oh, spent way too much time on this. I, we I got, was just thinking oh, that you know, Chris geez. is I, – I, I, the over is already going to be two on uninteresting fights where a lot of time was spent on. It's been three weeks, man. I want to talk I, fights. I, I understand. So here's the deal. Wink, wink. Um, Anders showed much too res- much too much respect to Machida in Brazil. This is a gimme fight, a softball, a toss down the middle. Think of any acronym you like. Um, UFC is throwing Anders a bone, getting him on track. You can argue that he won that decision against Machida. Um, I could argue that pretty easily. Um, again, this is a layup for Anders. That's all I'm going to say. 9.7K, solid in cash. GPPs, he's going to have to do something to earn his salary, but he will be very highly owned. Um, Eric Anders. Thank you. That, uh, so that should go. Davison Figueroa, 8,400, taking on John Moraga at 7,800. Figueroa is a climbing favorite at minus 160, Moraga plus 130. I actually like John Moraga a little bit in this fight. I think that. Figueroa's not going to be able to get to th- get this to the ground, and I like Moraga's boxing here. The movement of Figueroa, I think he's a little faster, but I think Moraga's more technical. They're both fast at this at this weight at this weight class. 
I even think Moraga could get a takedown if he wanted to. I don't think he's going to go that route, but we saw Jared Brooks, who's a different animal, take down Figueredo a few different times. I think he's been taking down other UFC fights. I, this is a big step up in competition, plus 130s. There's a little bit of value here. So I'm going to take John Moraga to pull the modest upset, although the line is moving the opposite direction. Joe, what do you make of that? Okay, well, this is an interesting fight to talk about. Um, there's some narrative here. Um, you know, Figueroa's first fight out of Brazil, although I believe he did come out early and has spent time at Alpha Male. So this will be an Alpha Male versus an MA, MMA lab fight. If Moraga was a takedown artist, I would probably like him more. He's more of a guard puller. Um, I think there's some value at 7.8K. I think there's value in both sides. When I first looked at this fight um, on the basis of, of how he destroyed Joseph Morales, I was like all in on Figueredo. And now I'm kind of coming a little bit back on Moraga. I guess I'm going to stick with, because he came out early and spent some time at Alpha Male, um, I think I'm going to stick with Figueredo, although I do think this is a good fight to target in GPPs. Um, you know, have a little, have some shares of both sides. My pick is Figueredo. Chris, where are you going? Um, yeah, th this fight, this fight is really intriguing to me. It's, it's one of the most interesting fights on the card for me. I, um, I, I agree with you. I like, um, I like Moraga's boxing. I, I think he's looked really, really sharp in his past two fights. Um, I, I think he, his combination punching is good. I, I think, you know, his angles that he takes are good. I, um, and you know, Davidson Figueredo, he, um, I, I heard them say on the broadcast that he trains with uh, with uh, Yuri Alcantara, and and you can tell because his entire game is you know single shot power. That's what he wants to do, and he he'll move forward a little more than Yuri does. So you need to be moving forward on him, which I think John Moraga will do. Uh, you don't want him to crowd your space. You don't want him to dictate where the fight goes. But um, aside from that. Um, yeah, I just I just think Moraga has a deeper striking game. I think, you know, if 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 they want to wrestle, Moraga can do that. He can scramble. We've seen that. Uh, if they if they want to do submissions, it's actually kind of funny. This is this is the battle of the um the um guillotine attackers. We saw Davison Figueredo do it a lot against uh, Gordon, and we saw Moraga do it a lot pretty much every fight that he gets a chance to. But um, Hoping that he doesn't get himself stuck on the bottom, and I don't think he will, but there is a chance that he will. But I just like his overall game way more, and I'm taking Moraga here. All right, next up, my favorite 9,000 and above price fighter, Brian Barbarina at 9,500, taking on Jake, the juggernaut Ellenberger at 6,700. Barbarina is a minus about 400 favorite. Comeback on Ellenberger plus 350. Ellenberger's 2 and 8 in his last 10 fights was knocked into another century by Mike Perry two fights ago, finished last fight by Ben Saunders. Look, it's sad, but it's a case of a guy sticking around too long, I think. Does the old Jake Ellenberger show up? Maybe, and even that guy would have a really tough fight against Brian Barbarina. is a tough guy, a really difficult out. His losses are to Leon Edwards, Colby Covington, and Chad Lepree. And that Chad and that Chad the pre-fight was close. He had 95 strikes and a takedown. Look, I think Barbarina is going to pressure forward like he always does. Ellenberger at this stage in his career, I don't think can handle that that pressure. I think he gets finished early, even in decision. I like Barbarina. Said it in the open, Barbarina is my favorite uh, fighter, priced above nine thousand point per dollar. Chris, go ahead and pick Jake Ellenberger. Well, I won't go as far as that, but I will say, um, you know, I, I've actually watched that Ellenberger uh, Mike Perry fight quite a bit because we've talked about it on here before how good I thought he looked in that fight before he ultimately ate the, the biggest double I've ever seen in my life. But um, what I think he did so effectively um, there was counterpunch. I think he waited on Mike Perry. Perry, Perry threw a shot and he would counter. And that, and he also used his wrestling uh, very effectively which I think he can do here. You know, pretty much anybody who tries to take down Brian Barbarina takes Brian Barbarina down. So I think that can work in his favor. I think um, Ellenberger can can use Barbarina's uh, aggressiveness in his favor. I don't know what to think about that that um, body shot uh, KO from Ben Saunders. 
he hasn't really shown vulnerability there before, at least not to my recollection. So I'm not really putting too much into that. I think, um, and I like Barberina too. I think his boxing is underrated. I, I love his aggressiveness. I love the fact that he never seems to be hurt by anything and can always just come forward. That, that's a good way to break opponents uh, when you're able to do that. But I don't know. I think this is a close fight. And I think that, you know, if you if you believe in Ellenberger, I mean, if you can stand it, you know, I think a lot of people have given up on him. I think that um, he might make a good uh, contrarian GPP play, and I'm all about it. So if you're going to put a gun to my head, I'm going to say Barbarino wins the fight, but I think it's closer than a lot of people think. Joe? Dude, if I put a rubber band to your head, you should be picking <sighs> Barbarina here. Okay, so here's the narrative. Saunders simply does not finish people like like Ellenberger got finished. Um, Ellenberger, the question we should all be asking is whom at the UFC, at the UFC does Ellenberger hold naked pictures of? Because coming off brutal losses like he has, how in the hell did he get another fight? Narrative, Barbarina actually beat Ellenberger's brother. So this will be the second Ellenberger. He wants that, revenge. Perfect. That, okay, yeah, okay. This will be the second Ellenberger that Bam Bam will beat here. He is tough as all crap. Yes, Colby Co Covington took him down 4,000 times, but he got up 3,999 times. I just don't see anything that Ellenberger has here. The question that everybody should be thinking about relative to DraftKings is who has a higher ceiling, Anders or Bam Bam? That's the question for debate. Barbarina all day long. Moving on. Oh, our second women's fight. We had to see if I'm going to throw up on camera here. Angela Hill, 8,500, taking on Courtney Casey, 7,700. Angela Hill, I believe, is still the favorite in this fight. Minus, depending on the book, about minus 125. Courtney Casey, plus 105. So a little bit of odds value on Casey. Hills in the fights that are, are generally good for DFS in terms of output. Her last two, she landed over 100 significant strikes against Nina Ansaroff. And Mariana um, Moroz lost one of those, won one of those. I think this could be a similar type of fight, but even if she wins, you know, even if she wins decision, 100 strikes, it's 80 points, it's still under 10K. Courtney Casey, on the, on the other hand, I think is she's definitely bigger, stronger, has a, has a reach advantage, and hits harder, is more likely to get a finish. I'm leaning towards Courtney Casey in a relatively close fight, Angela Hill. Has better fight IQ, which is the worry with Courtney Casey, but straight up, I'm going to take the person who has a little more physical skill set. But it is a close fight, but I'll lean Courtney Casey, and especially for the price. Uh, Joe? So Nina Ansarov essentially showed everyone at straw weight what the recipe is for beating Angela Hill, Prussia. Courtney Casey has got a strength advantage. Um, you know, Courtney Casey will muscle her up. Um, she realizes that she's lost two close split decisions that could have easily have gone her way. She could essentially be fighting for her job here. Um, I think Casey has got a pretty solid floor here. Um, I do like her in cash. I think there's some value. Um, my pick straight up is Courtney Casey. Chris, we're both on the underdogs. So who the hell knows what's going to happen here? I just, I just think it's funny that, that Joe says uh, Casey's going to have a strength advantage when Michelle Waterson controlled most of the grappling exchanges against her. Look, um, Hill is a striker, I, not a grappler. Waterson's a grappler. I, I think, but it's okay. We were talking about strength. I'm just telling you who's, who might be stronger. But anyway, um, look, I think that um, uh, Casey had one game plan in that in that uh, Michelle Waterson fight. Come come forward, throw overhand, repeat, and that's basically what she did. Um, Angela Hill is not going to let her do that. Angela Hill is going to take the, the pressure away from her. Angela Hill is going to strike in combination. She's going to be way too quick. I, I'm actually really surprised that you guys both like Casey here. Um, I know that Angela Hill has been underwhelming uh, lately. And um, first of all, I think you guys underrate Nina Ansaroff, but that's a, that's a different discussion. But the, the other thing is I that – um, I think she's very good, actually. All right, well, we're all right, yeah, Chris, I will say in your defense, shout out okay. to Matthew Holt. Um, Matthew Holt, um, former VP at Canner, book, sports book out in Vegas, he, he did tweet out that 
some real sharp money has come in on Angela Hill. So I am actually on Casey despite that. And I, I, I don't necessarily need her to win if I play in cash. I just don't see Hill getting a finish. And I think Casey's floor is pretty solid. So she might not get a finish, but as Joe, as um, as uh, Sean said, your name is Sean. As Sean said, um, she she really pushes the pace and, and she gets a lot of strikes in. And if she gets a lot of strikes in with a decision, she could still come pretty close. I I just think she's basically, I mean, look, I, I probably Casey's the better grappler, but it's it's, it's probably not going to get there anyway. So I'm, I'm not too worried about that. I, I actually like Angela Hill quite a bit here. And, uh, I guess I'm 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 alone with my thoughts once again. Why break you know, tradition? <laughs> Why break tradition is correct. Colby event of the evening. Our line value that I'm disappointed is line value. Andre Feely seventy five hundred taking on Michael Johnson at eighty seven hundred. The line has moved. Andre Feely is as of this moment. Really dislike that. Um, Best fight odds is down. Andre Feely is the favorite now, minus 120. Wow. Michael Johnson, plus 100. You have to play him in a cash game as much as they don't like that. Um, there's just too much odds value from a DFS perspective. I, however, am going to stick to my guns, and I'm going to take Michael Johnson. I think that Andre Feely really struggles whenever he faces a high-level striker. Calvin Cater beat him up on the feet. Um, Yair Rodriguez beat him up on the feet. Michael Johnson, make no mistake about it, is good on the feet. He's His hand speed is incredible. Now, Feely could get a takedown in this fight. That is path to victory. Um, you got to remember, Johnson also should be bigger and stronger in this fight. This is his second fight now at 145 after debuting at 145 last time out against Darren Elkins. Johnson's on a three-fight losing streak. Feely's trending the right direction. That's what, that's the reason for the line movement. I think if they stand in exchange, Michael Johnson knocks out Andre Feely. So I'll have Feely in cash for me. The pick is Michael Johnson. And he's, I, I, as the, the day keeps moving on, I keep wanting to play more and more Michael Johnson as a pivot in GPPs because um, he should be really under-owned. I think this time we're going to wrap up. We'll start with Chris. Yeah, I, I I would love for that to be the case. I'm kind of uh, surprised to hear you say that. I actually thought um, Michael Johnson would be pretty popular as uh, the underdog pick, but um, but he's 8,700. That's that's the problem. He's priced up. Yeah, that's just true. No, you're you're right. That's yeah, that's a good point. But um, what I was gonna say is. I, I love watching Michael Johnson work. Like when he's out there flowing and, and connecting with combinations and he's so damn fast, as you said, it's beautiful to watch, but he always does the, the one thing in, in the, these fights that are with, with Gaethje. Every time he had him hurt, he somehow decided to connect with him, giving Gaethje the only chance to survive. He was, he was piecing up there in Elkins. He throws a wayward kick, gets taken down once and that's it. I mean, I really just wish he would, you know, stick to what he's good at, and that's throwing those hands in combination. Um, I think because I, I went back and watched that Feely fight with Qatar specifically because I didn't think his last two really had any relevance to this fight. So what what I, what I what I saw was um, Feely really comes out and starts bouncing around and using a lot of movement and angles and things. But what happens or what seems to me what happens is he gets tired. And as he gets tired, he doesn't bounce around as much. And as he's not bouncing around as much, now when he's trying to slip those shots, he doesn't get out far enough. And that's how Calvin Cater was able to hammer him with a bunch of straight right hands. And I see Michael Johnson doing pretty much the same thing. I, I think uh, I wouldn't surprise me if Andre Feely came out and had a good like first round or maybe the first two minutes of the first round. But I think eventually um, the hand speed um, and the striking of Michael Johnson is just going to be too much. And uh, it really wouldn't surprise me if you got to finish here. Joe, where are you going? Look, I mean, I, I hate I hate the idea that I have to use Feely for line value. I mean, I think you stole the thunder a bit where his path to victory, you know, has got to he's got to take it to the ground. I mean, you know, that's that to me seems to be the only way he could actually win. I don't see him out striking Michael Johnson. I, I don't necessarily understand 
all the love. There's going to be a lot of people following him for line value. Um, I like Michael Johnson here a fair bit. <laughs> I, is it possible to get off of him in cash games? Uh, I don't, I don't see how. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't want to do it, but it's, if you I don't have him, to stack. You definitely have to stack if you're not going to. Yeah, Well, isn't, if, if I may offer up a, a potential path, uh, Darren Elkins is an alpha male guy as well, correct? He is. So, Darren Elkins? I don't think so. Is he? I don't think Darren Elkins is alpha male, is he? Isn't he? I'm pretty oh. sure he is now. I'll check. I don't think so. But All right. Well, de um, dealing under that premise for the moment, they just saw that a guy who was getting beat soundly by him on the feet was able to take him down and, and beat him. So maybe, maybe they just go right to that game plan right away. Maybe. Just throwing it out there. Totally possible. I'm pulling up Darren Elkins' topology page, and yeah, I don't. See, on here. I don't see him on as I don't. I've never known him as an alpha male, but I could be wrong. Yeah, so I, so I, I could be wrong. Is I thought he, he he's, he's from Indiana. He lives in Indiana. That would be really hard for him to travel and set to travel to train in Sacramento. No, I thought. Let me see. Hang on. Because usually it says the gym on top of the shirt dog. Page. Yeah, it's fi fighting out of Portage, Indiana. All right, so, okay, so we're mistaken there. Let's move on to our main event of the evening, one that I'm going to make this very clear. In every GPP lineup you build, have this fight. It is that simple. James Vick, 8,600. Justin Gaethje, 7,600. Guys, is Justin Gaethje going to stop leading with his face? Is he going to use the wrestling I think he has? Is James Vick going to catch him coming in, or will Gaethje's pressure be too much? Uh, look, Gaethje's going to bring the, uh, the the fight. There's going to be plenty of action, plenty of output, regardless of how Gaethje, what his specific game plan is here. I can't pick a guy who leads with his face um, and is willing to take damage. So I'm going to take James uh, Vick. It's not a super confident pick, but we've seen Vick put put people down in the past. He has he has some submissions in his back pocket. I'll take James Vick because Justin Gaethje can't play defense. Maybe eventually Gaethje lands these leg kicks, wears down Vick. The taller guy should be able to land the leg kicks you know, and really compromise Vick's movement. But like I said, I can't pick a guy like that. So I'll take James Vick at 8,600. I am going to have plenty of both these guys in GPP. Uh, Chris, where are you going? Um, before we get to that, I'd just like to say that um, we've heard from Will in the chat. He said that um, – uh, Darren Elkins is alpha male and moved there last year. And he also said that for once he has my back and I certainly appreciate it. Um, now, um, onto this fight. Um, you know, uh, last time we talked about a Justin Gaethje fight, I said, I couldn't pick him to win a high level fight. And, uh, mostly because of the reasons you mentioned, he doesn't play defense. He, you know, he shells up too much. He leaves his body uncovered. You certainly don't want to do that against a high level boxer. Um, and that hasn't changed. The only thing I'll say here is I don't know what it's going to be, but I expect something to be fundamentally different about the way Justin Gagey approaches this fight, just because I don't see any way that he couldn't. I mean, I don't think the guy has a death wish. He has said before that, um, he was going to use more wrestling in this fight, although we said that in his last fight. So we can't necessarily take that, um, as gospel, but. I, I, I just think that Gaethje might surprise us with something. But having said that, let's let's talk about what we see. Okay. Um, I, I, I do see Vic getting more love than I – I mean, Gaethje rather getting more love than I expected. And I think the reason for that is the leg kicks, right? He's a boxer. He's got the tr traditional boxing stance, sticks the leg out there, and it's probably going to get kicked. And that that's a point well taken, but we've seen uh, Vic use his footwork before when he needs to. And the, we, we just saw it in the third round of the Ternaldo fight. I mean, it made for a boring round, but I mean, he was able to keep him stay safe and, um, and uh, ride out the decision there. The other thing I would say as, as a little word of warning is that um, we know that Vic is susceptible to an overhand. Uh, we've seen it before. I believe that's a strike that uh, Daryush knocked him out with. He's eaten it before in other fights. Um, so it wouldn't shock me if Gaethje landed something to change the course of the fight, but skill for skill, which is, um, 
you know, something we always say here, but I, I think it applies here. Skill for skill. I just expect uh, Vic as the taller fighter. I mean, Gagey's got to work his way inside. I expect him to eat a lot of jabs and straights as he's doing that. Um, he also has that, that counter uppercut that we saw uh, polish off um, uh, Joe Duffy a little while ago. I just think he has too many tools here, let alone the jujitsu. If, if this does somehow go to the floor, um, you know, would it absolutely shock me if Gagey got a finish here? No, but who's the confident pick for me? It's going to be James Vick. Joe, take us home. Okay, so I should say that I was on Benny when he beat when he beat uh, Vick, and I am on Gagey here. Um, I don't know why, Vick. I love his confidence. I love that he bets and he's betting on himself here. Um, I just don't know why Vic thinks this is a bad, this is a, such a great stylistic matchup for him. Um, you know, you stole a bit of my thunder, Chris. Um, there's no reason why Gaethje can't do to Vic what Benny did. Um, Gaethje has the ability to absorb more punishment, at least he has to date, than, than uh, Benny. Um, I don't think much of Duffy as, a, as an MMA fighter. Great boxer. Not, I don't think he's that good in MMA. I was surprised. Um, that uh, Vic actually, you know, took Duffy out standing. Um, but I do like Gaethje here. I don't know if he's going to use his wrestling or not. Um, even if this fight stays standing, I still like Gaethje here a bit. I think this is a step up in competition, um, a big step up in competition for Vic based on who he's been fighting. Um, I can arguably say that the best fighter that Vic has faced, he lost to. Um, in Benny Dariush. So, um, look, I think this is a fight that you should have exposure to on both sides. However, I am going to pick the dog here. All right. That's it for the fight. Let's go to the hot takes. Anybody ready and willing and, and jumping for their hot take this week? I am. I have my hot take, and this is a real hot take. Um, in the $8, uh, $15,000 to first mass entry GPP, um, a main event fighter will not be on the optimal lineup. You're out of your damn mind. That's my hot take. That is that is a very, very hot take. Chris, you have yours? You need a second. Uh, no, I do have mine. Uh, Angela Hill gets her first uh, stoppage win in the UFC. Ooh, okay. Okay. I, I'm toying between two. You, you guys tell me what a hotter take is. I'll, I'll throw out two. Yeah, Joanne, I mean, Joanne Calderwood wins by KO, or Yuri Alcantara wins by Anaconda Choke. Well, I would go, say JoJo. I would say. I would say Anaconda Choke, just because we've seen we've seen uh, JoJo win by KO before. When have we? She oh, beat, um, oh, Letourneau, yeah, yeah. but but Letourneau had oh, Letourneau. a had a sports bra malfunction. Yeah, but I, I mean, it still happened, you know. Yeah, that was that TKO. Yeah, okay, fine. Either one of those, you guys can take your pick. That's what we have this week on Fight IQ. We're off next week, but then we have UFC 228. Zabit's going to beat somebody's ass. It's not Yair Rodriguez. That pussy. And, and we have a whole string of cards after this, so enjoy the, the little break again. I know we're just we're just coming back, but trust us, there's plenty of MMA coming to wrap us up, to take us home as we head towards the new year. Guys, this was fun. Um, good luck in your contest to these two and to all of you watching. Again, follow all of us on Twitter. I didn't mention earlier. I won't do it now. Follow all of us on Twitter. Subscribe to the Rotowire MMA uh, podcast. And again, keep hitting everybody you can from Rotowire up on Twitter, telling them that we need to be on Sirius Radio. Yes. And on that note, guys, enjoy your, con enjoy your week. Good luck in your contest. We'll see you for 228.